talk about courage and encouragement. Amen. So I want you to turn to Psalm 65, 11 once again before we get, get restarted. Once again, I want to remind you of some things. Amen. Psalm 65, 11. It says, Thou what? Thou crowneth the year with thy what? With thy what? Goodness. And thy paths drop fatness. Come on, God crowns this time with his goodness. Come on, God crowns this time with his goodness. And what we've experienced just now was the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Now, other translations read the second part, thy paths drip with abundance. Amen. And once again, all of us at one time or another have been in times of battle or times of war. And can I get an amen out there? Times where we're just standing. And for a lot of you, even going through this year, it's been a time of battle and a time of war. Amen. But we said last time we were together, we said there's a shifting taking place. And that shifting is monumental in where we're going in the days ahead. Come on, are you with me out here? And we've all had plenty of bad news, and we've had some good news also. And we know the good news always outweighs the bad. Come on, every single time. Somebody say every single time. See, it just depends on what you want to focus on. Amen? See, that will determine how it's going to go for you. Are you following me out here? See, it's the good news that keeps us change, keeps, keeps changing our lives. It's the good news that keeps changing things in the days ahead. Somebody said the good things. And see, these are the days in which God has designed for you a path. Somebody say a path. And it's his path. Somebody say his path. <clears throat> now, we're not talking about paths that you carved out for yourself. Are you with me out here? But if you get on his path. He just said, thy paths, not your paths, but the path that he has laid out before you will drop fatness or drip with abundance. Somebody say drip with abundance. Come on, somebody say, I'll take that. See, our, tra- our path dripping with abundance is dripping with God's peace. Come on, that means it's dripping with God's power in our lives. I mean, it's dripping with his healing and his glory and his goodness. Come on, say amen, somebody. It's dripping with all kinds of the things that makes life rich that Jesus came to give us. Somebody say, my life is dripping with goodness. So we talked about some things that's going to help us get there and stand in it. We talked about a hero in the Bible named Joshua. Amen. We talked about some things God did with Joshua and taking Israel out of the wilderness and into the land of promise. And we all know they came out of Egypt and went into the wilderness. Come on, say amen, somebody. And for those men and women that came out of Egypt, even the wilderness was a major step from where they came from. Why? In the wilderness, they were fed supernaturally every day. Come on, they were used to having very little, and now they're in a place where there's abundance and food from God every day. Come on, they're having water come out of rocks. Come on, they're having bitter water made sweet. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, they're seeing quail by the millions sacrificing themselves. Come on, this wilderness, what we thought was bad, is an amazing place in their eyes. Why? It wasn't like it was in Egypt. Amen. 
See, God wanted Israel in that wilderness. And we looked at scripture proving that. Now, we know they were there for a long time, longer than they were supposed to be. They were there for how long? 40 years. But God wanted them in that wilderness to learn some things. Are you with me out here? Now, he wasn't beating up on them to learn some things. He wanted them to learn some things. See, he got them out of Egypt and took them into the wilderness to do what? To discover elements of worship. To discover elements of fellowship with God that they didn't get in Egypt. God wanted them to discover how to follow God's leadership. So he gave them a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They had to learn that God was a God who would provide for them. They hadn't had provision, but guess what? God wanted them to understand provision that they will always be cared for. And while that wasn't the limit of what he wanted them to discover, but he had to teach them just the simple things. Somebody say the simple things. And see, we know God took Israel through a lot of things. And when they came to the edge where they could see the promised land, God told Joshua some things. When he was just getting ready to do what? Step into leadership. And see, Joshua had been a guy who had been behind the scenes in a lot of ways. See, he came out of Egypt, but now he's only, listen, he's only a part of a handful of people who are still alive. Amen? Everybody else died in the wilderness. They died in the wilderness and never stepped into the land that God had talked about where God wanted them in. You don't want to die in your wilderness, folks. Let me say it again. You don't want to die in your wilderness. See, now Joshua here has this assignment. He's going to lead Israel in Moses' absence. Come on, say amen, somebody. That's some big shoes to follow. He's going to lead Israel into the land that God has designed for them. Everything was about to change when they get into this land. And this is what God told Joshua in that moment of stepping into that new place. It was going to be a brand new place. So go to Joshua chapter 1, 6. We're going to read it with the New Living Translation. This is what he told Joshua as he was stepping into that new place and was going to be in that brand new place. He said to Joshua in chapter 1, verse 6, be what? Be strong and courageous, verse 6. Amen. Say be strong and courageous. Come on, say be strong and courageous. See, it's not enough just to be strong. He said, be what? You got to be what? You got to be what? Courageous. Then he says in verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and what? Very courageous. It's the same strength, but he says, be more courageous. Have more courage. Somebody say, have more courage. So we begin to talk about courage, and we define the courage. In the English word, courage comes from the French word for heart. Some might say heart. So that tells us what it means to be courage or courageous. To be courageous, it means to follow your heart, not your head. Let me say it again. It means to follow your heart and not popular opinion. Come on. It means to follow your heart and not your circumstances. Come on, it means to follow your heart and not the easy road all the time that we always try to take. Come on, are you with me out here? 
In other words, he said, follow what God puts on the inside of you, even when it doesn't look like or sound like it would be the right road to take. He says, be what? Strong and what? And courageous. Once again, it's not enough just to be strong, to do what God has called you to do. It's going to require you to have courage. Somebody say, I need courage to do what God called me to do. And see, what God has called us to do, guess what? It's not for the faint-hearted folks. Walking in the things of God that God has called us to do is for the courageous. Do I have any courageous people in this room? Come on, do I have any courageous people in here? Come on, tell your neighbor, it takes courage. It takes following a plan that God puts on the inside of you. It takes maximizing that knowledge of God on the inside of you and walking into it and making a choice that you're going to pursue it no matter what. Come on, are you with me out here? And if anybody needed courage, it would have been Joshua. Are you with me out here? Why? Because Joshua had lived with these people. He heard these people whining and crying. Come on. He listened to all their complaints. He lived with this kind of mindset that they had. Amen. But what did God says? God says, you're going to need what? Courage. Somebody say, I'm going to need courage. It's going to take courage to do what I'm telling you to do. That's what God was saying. Somebody say, it's going to take courage. And once again, that's not just true for Joshua. That's true for every one of us. It's going to take courage. Somebody say, I have to have courage. And see, Joshua had to do what? Joshua had to step up and do what nobody else had done, folks. Come on, he had to step off into some things. Come on, he had to, ta- he had to take what God said to him. And he had to follow what God placed on the inside of him. And see, courage is following your heart and not your head. It's to follow your heart and not popular opinion again. It's not following the trends of the day. It's not following the latest fashion of the kingdom of God. Come on, it's following your heart and doing what God put in you. Amen? See, it's not examining what God has put inside somebody else so that you can find out what he has put on the inside of you. See, I can take information, get ideas from other people. Come on, I can get inspired by other people, but in the end, let's see what, I'm responsible to do what God has assigned me to do. And it takes courage. And see, there are all kind of right things to do, but they're not all God things to do. Let me say it again. There are all kind of right things to do, but they are not all God things to do. It takes courage to do what God puts on the inside of you. And it takes courage to weed out what other people try to put inside you. Come on. It takes courage to follow your heart and not your head. Come on. It takes courage to follow an assignment and follow it all the way through through the end. Amen. And see, Joshua had that courage for the assignment God gave him as he was stepping into the land of promise. Now, we found out another definition of the word courage. Amen. Courage is not only to follow your heart, 
One dictionary translation gives us the idea that courage is to have a buoyant heart or buoyant spirit. Somebody say buoyancy. In other words, when something comes to drag you down, what do you do? You kick it loose and you right back to the top you go. Because why? Because you are buoyant. Somebody say I'm buoyant. Why? Because God has something on the inside of you that will bring you right back where you belong if you kick loose the kind of things that's trying to, trying to pull you down. Somebody say I got to kick it loose. And see, we've had a lot of help. With stuff pulling us under. But guess what? Courage kicks it loose. Somebody say courage kicks it loose. It refuses and courage refuses to allow it into keeping or allow it to keep speaking into you. Because why? Things speak to you. Stuff around you speak to you. Inanimate objects speak to you. Come on, your body speaks to you a lot of times. And if you don't talk back. They will keep talking. Or if you talk their language, they'll even talk louder. You got to change the conversation and talk back to that kind of nonsense that's talking to you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Having a what? Having a buoyant spirit. Having a what? Buoyant spirit. Courage. Somebody say courage. Courage, but it also oftentimes takes encouragement. Somebody say encouragement. So let's talk about the power of encouragement. We're going to talk about one of the unsung heroes in the book of Acts, a man named Barnabas. Anybody heard of Barnabas? Barnabas was one of the first ones that brought an offering of magnitude to the church. Come on, he sold his property. Come on, he so believed in the mission of the ministry that he gave all the money of the property to the church. Are you with me out here? You'll find that in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. Let's turn there. Acts 4, verse 36. And it says, And Joseph, who by the apostles was named who? Surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted, the son of what? Consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, did what? Sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, if you go back up to verse 36, as you see here, his name really wasn't Barnabas. His name was Joseph. Amen? The apostles named him Barnabas. Are you with me out here? Because why? The name Barnabas means the son of encouragement. Let me say it again. The name Barnabas means the what? The son of what? Encouragement. The question is, what was it about this man that the apostles saw and they liked him so much that they gave him a name like that? Son of encouragement. See, you have some people that all they have to do is walk in a room and it just lifts you up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All they got to do is walk in the room and they what? They lift you up. They don't have to say anything. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to give you anything. All they have to do is show up. And it just what? Lifts you up. Come on, y'all follow me out here. Or they say something 
And what comes out of their mouth is something that will what? Lift you up. Somebody said lift you up. What's it do? It helps that buoyancy on the inside of you. And see, Barnabas was the kind of guy that when he showed up, there was so much encouragement that they just got calling him the minister of encouragement. They call him Mr. Encouragement. Somebody say Mr. Encouragement. Come on, who would like to have a Mr. Encouragement in their life? The point of this is not for you to get a Mr. Encouragement in your life. The point of this is you become a Mr. Encouragement yourself. Are you following me out here? I'm talking about giving people a word of encouragement. And see, Barnabas was so effective and committed to this that when Saul later became Paul, was born again and began preaching right away, we know everybody was terrified of Paul because why? Because of his history. Paul was a bad man. Come on, are you with me out here? He was a dangerous man. Come on, he had a reputation and not the kind of reputation that you want to be around. Amen? Everyone, including the apostles, stayed away from Paul except Barnabas. Come on, God. Barnabas actually went and found him. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 26. Everybody was away from Paul except for Barnabas. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were what? They were all what? Afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple because of all the things, because of the history he had. Come on, say amen, somebody. But in 27 it says, but who? But Barnabas, son of consolation, son of encouragement, took him in, brought him to the apostles, and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Listen, it was Barnabas that connected him with people and places where Paul belonged. Now, God could have gone, done this a lot of different ways, but he used an encourager to do it. Somebody say an encourager. And so we need to ask God to help us to be, become more like that. We need to ask God to help us to become more of an uh, encourager. Somebody say encourager. It's a simple word. It's a simple word. But guess what? It is one of the most spiritual words that we can participate in. Amen? It's one of the aspects and attitudes of our life that, that so needs to be cultivated. Because why? Because the world is in so much discouragement. Come on, have you noticed that? Amen? Come on, their narrative is so dark, folks. It's so negative out here. It's so full of venom and anger. And if something else isn't coming out of our mouth, and we're sounding more like the world than the kingdom of God. Something's wrong. I tell you, neighbor, we don't want that. Why? Because we want to sound like Jesus. Amen? See, I know Jesus had some tough things to say. But when, guess what? But when he came into a room, he lifted people up far more than brought people down. Amen? Why? See, it's a mindset. Somebody say it's a mindset. It's an attitude. It's something that has to be on our radar, folks. If it's something that we don't consider to be important, then it won't happen through us. 
we have to consider this to be what? Important to us. Somebody say important to us. But really, it's most important because why? When you get in God's presence, think about it. When you get in God's presence, what happens? What's it do? It lifts you up. Were you just lifted up by the presence of God? Come on, were you just lifted up by the presence of God? Why? When you get in God's presence, it what? It lifts you what? Why? Because that's how important it is. It encourages you when you get in God's presence. Well, what does Psalm 1611 say? Psalm 1611 says, Thou will show me the path of life. And in thy what? Presence is what? Is what? Fullness of joy at the right hand. There are pleasures for evermore. His presence, his presence brings in what? It brings a supernatural joy, or his presence does what? It encourages you. It does what? It encourages you. Look at 2 Corinthians 3:17. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There's what? Liberty. In other words, there's a sense of freedom. A refreshment when the spirit of the Lord is in your presence or you're in his presence. What? It lifts you up. It frees you. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, this is what we love and this is what we crave for. But we ourselves should be vessels of joy. We ourselves to be vessels of liberty or refreshment when we or refreshment when we walk into a room. Amen. And you should want to be a part of that. Let me say it again. You should want to be a part of that. You should be one a part of a part of the room that when you walk in, it lifts people up. Be an encourager. Tell your neighbor, be an encourager. Tell somebody else, be an encourager. See, it's not hard to be an encourager first. It doesn't cost you anything. Amen? It's not difficult to be the kind of person that has encouragement come out of your mouth. Because everybody needs it. Somebody say everybody needs it. And everybody wants it. Come on, people crave for it. Amen? They don't know how to get it or where to go to find it. Come on, say amen, somebody. But everybody is benefited by encouragement. Why? Because it brings a person not only up. We're not talking about an emotion, folks. We're not just talking about a feel-good moment. Amen? But I'm telling you, when encouragement comes in, there's something spiritual that happens. Amen? It gives people, listen, it gives people the capacity to follow the plan of God that God has for their life in a greater degree. And that's our assignment. Tell your neighbor, that's our assignment. To help people follow what God has placed on the inside of them. See, I don't know what God's put on the inside of you, and you don't know what God's put on the inside of me. But encouragement helps no matter what. Tell your neighbor, no matter what. We're talking about what? The voice of what? Encouragement. And Barnabas was a what? He was an encourager. He was a what? Encourager. Words from an encourager builds people up, folks. Amen? How many times have we been loose with our words and said things that once you said them, it created a mess? Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. And you can't turn it back. You can't fix it that easily. Are you with me out here? And see, we've all done that too many times. 
Somebody say too many times. Somebody say we all have done that. But guess what? There's a shift. There's a change in habit. There's a different way to live, folks. See, the voices, listen, the voices in our life either drag us down or they drag us up or they lift us up. That's why it's important who you're listening to. Let me say it again. The voices in our lives either drag us down or they lift us up. That's why it's important who you listen to. Tell your neighbor, you better know who you listening to. Because they're either going to drag you down or they're going to lift you up. Amen. And that's why I even go to conventions and things like that. Why? When I go to conventions, I get encouraged. By men and women of God. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. Man's camp is there to what? To encourage the men. Look at Philippians 2.14. Come on, it helps what? Lift you up. It helps what? Lift you up. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. What's it say here? Do how many things? Do how many things? Do how many things? Come on, y'all shout it now. Y'all can shout again, you know. Do all things without what? Murmuring and what? Disputing. The NIV reads it this way. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Do how many things? Everything. Without what? Complaining or arguing. Do how many things? How many things? How many things? How many things? Without what? Complaining. Without what? Complaining. Without what? Without what? Come on, some of y'all didn't want to open your mouth. Without what? Or what? Or what? Or what? I want these words to ring in your ear tomorrow. When you're going to work. When you're around people. (laughs) And your mouth get ready to complain. And argue with somebody. Because the Bible said the devil comes immediately. (laughs) <laughs> to get you to do opposite of what you learned tonight. Come on, say amen, somebody. Let's say it one more time. Do everything. Without what? Or what? <laughs> Glory to God. Then he tells you why in verse 15, that you may be what? Blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke. In the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Everybody needs encouragement, folks. The world needs encouragement. The world needs you to shine as lights of encouragement. Amen? See, even Apostle Paul needed encouragement, folks. Matter of fact, Paul writing to the Corinthians church, the second letter. In the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul had a lot of rough stuff to tell them. If you read it, anybody read 1 Corinthians? Amen. Amen. See, they were doing some crazy things. They were allowing things in the church that didn't belong in the church. And see, Paul had a unique place in the the church at Corinth. 
He had the ability, the calling, and the assignment to be the kind of voice that could bring correction. Amen? And see, not everybody in your life is there for correction, but some are. Let me say that again. Not everybody in your life is there for correction, but some are. But some are. See, Bishop Butler has been my voice of correction. And he comes with a lot of grace and a lot of love. See, you have to know that a person loves you to receive correction from them. Let me say that one more time. You have to know a person loves you to receive correction from them. And most of us don't like correction. If you're lying, I'm going to send you down this white line right here. Most of us do not like correction. Hey, just smile. Just know, nobody know I'm talking about you. Amen. Glory to God. So in the first letter, Paul brought forth a lot of correction. But now in the second letter, look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 7, 4. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. He says, this is after he done corrected them. He says, I have the highest confidence in you. And I take great pride in you. You have greatly encouraged me and made me happy despite all of our troubles. Anybody listening to this? In spite of the trouble you had with me, and in spite of the trouble I had with you, and see, one of the lessons this is saying is you can have trouble and not be disconnected. Are you with me out here? Come, you can have some trouble with some situations and people. Now, I'm not talking about heresy or some things that, you know, things of that nature that you know you got to be disconnected from. There are some things in people that you need to be disconnected from. Come on. But too often, we have allowed ourselves to be disconnected from people that God really has in our lives. And even though Paul had trouble with them, he didn't write them off, folks. Although they had trouble with him, they went ahead and received from him. So he said, in spite of all the trouble, amen, we've had, he goes on to say in verse 5, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside, and guess what? And fear on the inside. Look at what he said here. With battles on the what? Outside and fear what? Inside. It says fear where? On the where? Inside. And that's the game of every battle, folks. Every strategy, every strategy of the devil. Every strategy that comes against you. It's to speak some kind of fear on the inside of you. Fear is the currency of darkness like faith is the currency of heaven. And if Satan can get us over into fear or into a fear position or get us to respond from the wrong kind of thinking, he begins to undermine the strength that we have. 
And here's what Paul said. He said the battles were on the outside. Amen. But they came at me to strike fear on the inside. Did y'all hear what I just said? He said the battles were on the outside, but they came at me to strike what? Fear on the inside. Come on, he had already told them he reached a point where he had considered himself dead. There was no answer for what was happening with him. He said, we, have sent, we had the sense of death in ourselves, but yet we believed in God who raises the dead. That's what he told them. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.8. That's what he told them there earlier. 2 Corinthians 1.8. He says, for we would not, in 2 Corinthians 1.8, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. That we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even life. But we had the what? Sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but who? But in God who what? Raises the dead. Even death wasn't the end. But go back to 2 Corinthians 7, 6. Amen. See, God will help you see the battle and God will help you see the battle plan. Let me say it again. God will help you see the battle and he'll help you see the what? The battle plan. See, things that come at you will tell you you don't have what it takes. The things that will tell you you're not going to make it into the next phase or next, or, next, or next place in your life. Yet something on the inside of you has taken you into a direction, into a direction, folks. And although it has, been, it has created battles, the plan is not that the battle supersedes your faith. Tell your neighbor that will not happen. And you should know better than that. But the game of these battles that you're going through is to strike fear on the inside of you and tell you that you're not, you don't have enough to cut it. Battles on the outside. Even the apostle had those moments when Satan tried to strike him to create fear on the inside. Are you following me out here? And see, you can't let the devil tell that you can't let the devil tell you that that just means that you're in unbelief and you're going under. No, it's just a strategy of Satan trying to undermine you with the fear that he's trying to produce on the inside of you. You got to know that, Tay neighbor. You got to know that. Look at verse six. It says, "But God." But God, but God, somebody say, but God, come on, somebody, somebody say, but God, and scripture, you have to put your butt in the right place. You know what I just said? He said what? But God, but God, battle on the outside, fear hammer away trying to get on the inside of you, but God. Let me say it again, battle on the outside. Fear hammering away trying to get on the inside of you, but God. Somebody say, but God. See, when you hear the but God, everything's about to change because of what? But God. Say that with me, but God. Come on, say it again, but God. See, some of you are about to have a but God moment. You're at that but God moment. Somebody say, but God. But it says, but God who encourages those who are 
discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. By who? Titus. Paul didn't point to the vision he had. He didn't point to an angel that showed up. It was Titus. Somebody say Titus. Titus showed up. And he was like the son in the Lord, son of the Lord to, to Apostle Paul. He was like a son to Paul. He was one of the men of God that had been so impacted that he was off in ministry doing powerful things. He was a mighty man of God himself, but he saw Paul as such a mentor, such a, such a courageous, dynamite man of God who had done so many amazing things. Yet here at this point, Titus shows up. Now, he may not have known what was going on, really what was going on in Paul. But when he shows up, guess what? It does something in Paul. What's it do? It encourages him. It lifts him up. It said, God encouraged us by the arrival of who? Titus. It didn't point out into any particular, anything particular that he said, folks. He just showed up. Come on, he was involved. He's being, listen, he's being used by God in a way that might have seemed less exciting to some. Yet he showed up with a word of encouragement. Are you following me out here? Amen. It encouraged the apostle Paul because why? He needed it at that time. Why? Because encouragement gives a life to us. It helps us. Everybody needs encouragement. And everybody can be a voice of encouragement. Look at verse 7. His presence was joy. His presence was a what? His presence was a what? Joy. But so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. When he told us how much you longed to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me. He said, I was filled with what? Joy. Understand this. God may place somebody on your heart for you just to call. And encouragement. And when you call them, they'll be shocked because that'd be the very call that they needed at that time. But you got to be open to that. Come on, say amen, somebody. Tell you, you got to be open to that. Why? It only takes a moment, folks. It only takes a thought. Make the call. Somebody say, make the call. Come on, how many people have been in situations, you know God told you just to call that person or go over to that person and do something for that person or say something to that person. And when you said it to them, their whole continents changed. That was the Holy Ghost, folks. Tell your neighbor that was the Holy Ghost. Tell another neighbor, that's the Holy Ghost. See, we've all had plenty of these thoughts, folks. It was really the Holy Spirit saying something, but we get to thinking, what are they going to think about? They don't need to hear that. They probably hear that from everybody. Come on, say amen, somebody. And what happens, you just dismiss it as not being all that significant and important. 
And understand this, we got to get past that. Today, we got to get past that. We got to understand the value of what God has called us to do. And that our assignment includes being an encourager. Somebody say, that's my assignment. We got to understand the power of encouragement. Tell your neighbor, I have to understand the power of encouragement. Now tell somebody, you have to understand the power of encouragement. Go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to read that from the New International Version. Notice what he says here. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But encourage one another daily. How often? Daily. As long as it is called today so that none of you be what? May be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And the question is, you know, I have to ask myself the question, are you doing that? Are you encouraging someone every day? That's what the word tells us to do. Come on, it's real clear. Encourage one another how often? How often? Daily. When you walk into a room, are people delighted you showed up? I'm not talking about just the adults. I'm talking about y'all young people too. When you walk into a room, are people delighted when you show up? Are you good news coming? Or are you the dark cloud that has entered? Where they say, oh no, look who just showed up. Let's go in the opposite direction. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, we need encouragers. And see, the voice of encouragement can be so powerful. Paul had Barnabas, Paul had Titus. Everybody needs a Barnabas or Titus. Everyone can be a Barnabas and Titus. And we know, but guess what? We know there are times when there is no Barnabas. <laughs> we know there are times where there are no Tituses. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. There are times when you have to stand alone. And it's in those times we go to King David, even before he was king. Come on, he was running from Saul and under the attack by the Amalekites. They took all the wealth of everybody. The tent was burned to the ground, and when these men came back from war, they said, hey, everything is gone. All their families have been taken captive. The people, did they do? They turned on David. They turned on David. All of those who were his mightiest men were all colluding together, all wanted to kill David. And see, that's strange because why? David was not their problem. It was the Malachites that took, that took all their stuff. But they said, let's kill David. Kill the messenger. Kill the leader. <laughs> So David inquired of the Lord. But it's a great statement that he made in verse 6 in Samuel, 1 Samuel 36. It said, David was greatly distressed 
For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was greed, every man for his sons and for his daughters, but David. But David did what? Encouraged himself in the Lord his God. The Amplified Bible reads, David encouraged and strengthened himself in the Lord. And David encouraged and what? Strengthened himself in the Lord. When, listen, when nobody's coming, when there are no Barnabas, when there are no Titus showing up, maybe they got delayed on the way. Come on, say amen, somebody. Listen, that doesn't take you off the hook. Are you with me out here? See, we're not depending on everybody else for our future or our success. Amen. Now, we know that the Holy Spirit in us has given us the courage and the strength that if we will stir it up like David stirred it up. Come on. He went before the Lord and strengthened and encouraged himself. And listen, there are some people in here that today is your day. Let me say it again. There are some people in here that today is your day. See, I would like to be your Barnabas, and I would like to be your Titus. But if you don't like me, just stir yourself up. Somebody say, stir yourself up. Amen. But this is not the time. Listen, this is not the time to wimp out, folks. This is not the time to wimp out on how hard it's been. How unfair it's been. How unjust it's been. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? These are days of glory. These are days of the Holy Spirit. Come on, come on, man. These are days of the goodness of God. And your paths could be dripping with abundance, folks. See, that's the plan of God. So, come on. That's the plan God has for you tonight, folks. Are you with me out here? So what I want you to do, I want you to stand up on your feet right now. And let's stir up together. Let's stir it up together in the name of Jesus. Why? These are the days of strength and courage. These are the days of what? Strength and courage. These are the days when Barnabas and Titus is rising up in all of us. These are the days when we know how to stand with God and strengthen and encourage ourselves. That's why there should never be a day that a Christian is discouraged. Because you have the strength to encourage yourself. So lift your hands before the Lord. Come on, lift your hands before God. Hallelujah. Father, we give you glory. Father, we give you honor. Come on, say, oh God, here I stand. Strong, strong, courageous, courageous. because you said so. In Jesus' name, name, I cast off off all all discouragement, discouragement. all the lies, all the the evil pictures, all the the definitions that Satan Satan has tried to give me. me. But instead, I I lay hold on the crown of your goodness. That you placed upon my head. 
I lay hold on the path of your abundance and my steps being ordered by you to walk strong and courageous in Jesus name now give him praise like you believe it so come on give him praise like you believe it so come on give him praise like you believe it so come on give him praise like you believe it so oh we give you glory Lord we give you honor, Lord. Come on, you stir it up. Come on, you stir it up. Like David did. I encouraged myself in the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's gravy when somebody encourages you. But if somebody don't encourage you, encourage yourself. Don't get bad in the mouth. Don't get sad face. Depressed. Because somebody didn't speak to you in the right way. Go to a corner and encourage yourself. If somebody pisses you off, go to a courage and go to a corner and encourage yourself. Come back out smiling and say, Hallelujah. Glory to God. I love you with the love of the Lord. <laughs>